Uh, most of what follows is just an extended meditation on some thoughts from St. Alphonsus and Father Dion. We'll start uh, this morning with a thought experiment. We can imagine that we're camping out west in some unbelievably beautiful state in the Rocky Mountains, probably a place just like Montana. Anyway, we're up there in the Rockies, and we've been admiring all the beautiful mountains, and at night you just lay out and look at the stars. In that clear mountain air, you can see jillions of them. And you're laying out there looking at those kind of things, the beauty of the stars and the mountains. And this time of year, seeing the northern lights flickering can be pretty overwhelming. But that whole range of mountains, even the moon and stars and all the billions of galaxies stretching from here to the very end of creation, all those things are far, far less in the order of being than a little clump of bunch grass growing there by our tent. Why is that? Why is that little old clump of bunch grass far higher in the order of being than all the stars, all the planets, all the galaxies, all the Rocky Mountains, and so forth? The reason is, is because that bunch grass is alive. Mountains just sit there unless we mine them. Stars just burn silently in the vastness of space. The northern lights just dance around up there in the air. But that little old clump of bunch grass is alive. It's alive. It can grow. It can take in light and carbon dioxide nourish itself. It can reproduce itself. So that little old clump of bunch grass is alive, that's for sure. But still there are limits to the kind of life it has. It can't get up and move, to move to a better part of the meadow where there's better sunshine. Can't go from one side of the meadow to the other. It doesn't have that kind of life, right? But now here comes a big old bull elk and starts grazing on that grass. That big old bull elk is far higher on the order of being than that clump of bunch grass. He can do everything the grass can do. He can nourish himself, grow, reproduce, but he can also see he can hear, he can smell, he can taste, he can touch, he can move around. He can move around from one side of the meadow to the other, from one side of the mountain range to the other. That old bull elk is a whole lot higher on the order of being than the grass, right? But there are still limits to the kind of life that he has. There are things he can't do. He can't decide, hey, this year during hunting season, I think I'll take a vacation. Go to town, sit in the bar, read a little Shakespeare, do things like that. That's not possible for a bull elk to do. He doesn't have that kind of life. There are limits to the type of life that elk have. Now here comes a hiker. He's much, much higher on the order of being than that bull elk. He can do everything the plant can do. He can take a nourishment. He can grow. He can reproduce. He can do everything the elk can do, right? He can see he can hear, he can smell, he can taste, he can touch, he can move around. But because he's got a different life principle than the grass, because he has a different life principle than that bull elk, there are things that he can do beyond that. He can know spiritual realities, like the ideas of goodness or truth or justice or beauty. He, not only can he know those spiritual realities, he has a will, so he can love goodness. He can love truth. He can love beauty. He can love justice. We're so used to this that we may not really realize how amazing these abilities are that we have. Obviously, that hiker is much, much higher on the order of being than the elk or the grass. 
And just like the hiker, we're all born that same kind of life. And that's just the problem. Why is that a problem, Father? Because that kind of life is not enough for us. It's not enough for us. There are limits to that kind of life. What do you mean? Well, the most serious limit is that we've been created to know and to love and to serve God in this life and to be happy with him forever in the next. We've been created for that, and yet every last bit of that, every speck of that, is completely beyond our abilities. Naturally speaking, we don't have that kind of life. So just as a clump of bunch grass doesn't have the life principle to move from one side of a meadow to another, just as an elk doesn't have the kind of life principle to take a vacation during hunting season or read a little Shakespeare, it's totally beyond the power of grass to get up and move. It's totally beyond the power of an elk to take a vacation or study anything. So also, we don't have the kind of life principle with the power to enable us to know and love and serve God in this life and to be happy with him forever in the next. That's totally, completely, and utterly beyond all our natural abilities to fulfill the very purpose for which we've been made. So if all we've got is a life with which we were born, we're in trouble. If all we've got is this life alone, we can't do it. We just can't do it. We need another kind of life. We need another life principle, a completely different kind of life principle. We need abilities beyond our human nature and far, far beyond our human nature. In order to know and love and serve God in this life and to be happy with him forever in the next, we have to have another kind of life, a life above and beyond our human life. We need supernatural life. We need to have supernatural life. In fact, this is why our Lord became man. As he himself told us, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. What did he mean? He meant that he came to give us the supernatural life. Our Lord came to give us supernatural life. He came to give us sanctifying grace. Sanctifying grace is a new kind of life far beyond our natural life. Sanctifying grace changes our being. It changes the way we are. It gives us the ability to know and to love and to serve God in this life and to be happy with him forever in the next. With sanctifying grace, we actually become adopted sons of God. Sanctifying grace is actually a created share in God's own life that he places in our souls. It's a created share in God's own life that he places in our souls. And this gives us a new life, supernatural life, and that makes us holy. This is what St. Peter is referring to in 2 Peter 1.4 when he writes of us becoming partakers of the divine nature. Partakers of the divine nature. Now stop and consider what that implies about our dignity. We saw that little clump of bunch grass was far, far greater in the order of being than the Rocky Mountains or even all the stars in the entire universe because that bunch grass is alive. We saw the elk was far, far greater than the grass because it had a higher life principle. And the hiker was far greater than the elk 
because he had a higher life principle, right? Just think of the immense difference between the hiker and a rock that he's climbing over. No sane man would compare the dignity of a man to a rock. But it is, that difference is in a certain sense measurable because both a rock and a man are in the natural order of things, right? So in a certain sense, it's measurable. But the gap between a natural man, like someone who's never been baptized, and a supernatural man, a man in the state of grace, that distance is infinitely greater than the gap between the natural man and the rock. It's infinitely greater and it's immeasurable because one is natural and the other is supernatural. We don't see this clearly enough, but it's an absolute truth, and it's stunning when we think about it. For a natural man, his nature is closer to a rock than it is to a baptized baby. It's stunning. It's absolutely stunning. Partakers of the divine nature. When we're in the state of grace, God has actually placed a created share of his own life into our soul, and it completely penetrates our soul totally filling it with holiness. And at the same time, he also gives us powers, supernatural powers, to do things far, far beyond our natural abilities. Like, for example, getting to heaven when we die. Or to take another example, we all believe that there are men who can take, say, certain words to pieces of bread, and that bread becomes a man, and that man is God. We all believe that. We have to believe that to be saved. But that's not obvious. That's not obvious at all. We don't believe that with natural powers. No one can. No one can believe those natural powers. We believe that because we've been given a supernatural power called faith. And this gift of faith gives us the ability to believe that. To believe things that people without the gift of faith just simply cannot believe. It takes faith, a lot of faith, supernatural faith, to believe in the mystery of the most blessed sacrament. Only the supernatural man with the gift of faith can believe that. No one else can. Partakers of the divine nature. Think of the value of this incredible gift, this gift that makes it possible for us to get to heaven. Think of the value. St. Alphonsus says that it is an infinite treasure. St. Thomas says that the gift of grace surpasses every gift that a creature can receive. Partakers of the divine nature. Think of just what it costs to give us this amazing gift. Nothing less than the passion and death of our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. It costs the death of God the Son. Partakers of the divine nature. Once we see that we've been given a new life, a supernatural life, that we're alive with a created share in God's own nature, this God life of sanctifying grace within our souls, once we see that, then it's easy for us to see why Christ established the Catholic Church. The entire purpose of the Catholic Church is to continue Christ's work throughout time, undoing the damages of original sin by bestowing or restoring graces to men's souls. Every single thing that a man does as a priest is concerned with this one thing, grace, bestowing it, increasing it, 
protecting it, restoring it. That's why God put priests in the world. Not only that, the point of all the rules and regulations comes into focus. What's the point of all the rules and regulations? To guide us so as to protect and increase this God life of sanctifying grace that we receive when we were baptized. The purpose of Christ's church, the Catholic church, is to continue our Lord's work throughout time to undo the damages of original and actual sin by restoring or bestowing supernatural life to men's souls. The point of all these rules and regulations of the church is to guide us so as to protect and increase this God life of sanctifying grace we received at baptism. Everyone needs to burn this into his mind. The point of all the rules and regulations of the church is to guide us so as to protect and increase the God life of sanctifying grace we received at baptism. Partakers of the divine nature. St. Alphonsus says, quote, Out of innumerable creatures which he might have made, God has chosen you and placed you in the world. Again, from the midst of millions of heretics and infidels, he has chosen to place you in the true church. He has made you a Christian and a Catholic. How many millions are deprived of the sacraments, of sermons, of the examples of good companions, and of all the other helps of salvation which are found in the true church? And God is resolved to give all these great helps to you without any merit on your part, and even with the foreknowledge of your demerits. For when he thought of creating you and bestowing those graces upon you, he foresaw the insults which you would offer to him. Close quote. Partakers of the divine nature. How can we ever thank God for such a great gift? St. Alphonsus asks, What fitting thanksgiving can we miserable creatures offer to God? If the Lord had once, once shown us a single mark of affection, he would even then deserve an infinite thanksgiving from us, since that affection is a gift and a favor of an infinite God. But see, he has given us a way of thanking him worthily, namely, by offering to him Jesus in the Mass. In this way, God is fully thanked and satisfied. One single Mass, one single Mass, gives more honor to God than all the prayers and penances of the saints, all the labors of the apostles, all the torments of the martyrs, and all the burning love of the seraphim, and of the Divine Mother, all that they have given him or will give him. Close quote. One single Mass. And he allows us to offer this sacrifice or to assist at it, not just once in a lifetime, but even weekly or daily. Partakers of the Divine Nature, when we have this kind of life, this supernatural life in our soul, when we're in the state of grace, the most blessed trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost comes to dwell in the depths of our souls. But he only dwells there by invitation. When we were babies, our godparents stood up for us and invited him in on our behalf. And then when we reached the age of reason, we confirmed that invitation. But unfortunately, 
just like Adam, we do one, have one natural power in this regard. We have the power to withdraw that invitation at any time. How? By committing a mortal sin. And God will respect that and leave. And the most terrifying part of that is, if we've evicted him, he's under no obligation to return. Partakers of the divine nature. The great Catholic author Frank Sheed commented that supernatural life is given to man in this life, and what man does with it is the primary story of his life. Everything else is incidental, on the fringe, of no permanent importance. When we come to die, we are judged by the answer to that one question, whether we have the supernatural life in our soul. If the answer is yes, then to heaven we shall surely go, for the supernatural life is the power to live the life of heaven. If the answer is no, then we cannot possibly go to heaven, for we could not live there when we got there. If we die with supernatural life, we can go to heaven. If we die without supernatural life, we can't go to heaven, which means that our soul will plunge into hell. We were all born without supernatural life. We were born without sanctifying grace. Thanks a lot, Adam. Naturally speaking, there isn't a single thing we can do about this. But in order to live the life of heaven, we have to have supernatural life. We have to have sanctifying grace. If we die with sanctifying grace, we can live the life of heaven. If we die without sanctifying grace, we can't live the life of heaven. Okay, pure and simple. Everybody needs to burn this point into their mind. The most important thing I'll ever do is die. If I die with supernatural life, I can live in heaven. If I die without it, I can't. When we come to die, we're judged by the answer to that one question. One question, whether we have the supernatural life in our soul. Our whole eternity hangs in the balance. Partakers of the divine nature. Once we get a glimpse of the incredible dignity to which we've been called, it becomes clear what an absolute disaster mortal sin is. It drives out the supernatural life of grace out of the soul, turns man into an enemy of God and a slave of the devil, and puts him under a sentence of eternity in hell. St. Augustine says that if a Christian loses a valuable item, he will weep over the loss and neither eat nor sleep. But when he loses the grace of God, he eats and sleeps and sheds not a single tear. St. Francis de Sales says that were the angels capable of weeping, they should shed tears of pity at the sight of a soul that commits mortal sin and loses the divine grace. But as St. Alphonsus points out, the greatest misery is that the angels would, if it were in their power, weep, and the sinner weeps not. Partakers of the divine nature. Because a soul in the state of grace has a created share of God's own life, it has a created share in God's own unspeakable beauty. St. Bridget used to say that a man could not behold the beauty of a soul in the state of grace without dying from joy. St. Catherine of Siena did survive after seeing a soul in the state of grace, but she said that she would willingly have given her life to prevent that soul from losing such unspeakable beauty. In fact, St. Catherine used to kiss the ground on which priests walked 
because through them souls obtain this beauty that is worth dying for, the grace of God. Partakers of the divine nature. St. Alphonsus says, quote, The saints thought it very little to give their life and all things for the love of so loving a God. How many noblemen, how many princes have left relatives, riches, countries, and even kingdoms to shut themselves up in a cloister in order only to live to the love of Jesus Christ? How many martyrs sacrificed their life? How many tender virgins renouncing marriages with the great and mighty have gone with joy to death in order thus to make some return for the infection of a God who had died for their sake? And you, what have you done thus far for the sake of Jesus Christ who has died for you? What do you intend to do with the remaining days of life which God gives you that you may love him? Close quote. What have you done so far for the sake of Christ who has died for you? What do you intend to do with the remaining days of your life which God has given you that you may love him? At the least, at the very least, pray for the grace to prefer to lose your life than to lose such beauty that God has granted you by making you a partaker in his divine nature.